It is so, such a pleasure to be here this morning. Uh, Charles and I have actually had an opportunity to spend hours together now. Uh, and in those hours, we've had a chance to share heart. Uh, and uh, the conversations are very interesting. So it's come about where we're doing a uh, message swap this morning. And I asked him, I said, uh, is Julie going to go with you? And he said, let me ask her. And he came back and said, no, she's going to stay there. I said, oh, okay, so I'm lucky. I, we get to do a message swap and also a wife swap at the same time. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. So. Will you guys pray with me? Heavenly Father. Use me as your instrument. Allow what is said to be nothing more or nothing less than a word from you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want to read this passage of scripture in a way that we can identify the tone. Based upon the words that are used. Reading from the New American Standard Version of the Bible, Matthew 12, 46 through 50. Reads in this way, while he was still speaking to the crowds. Behold, his mother and brothers were standing outside seeking to speak to him. Someone said to him, behold. Your mother and your brothers are standing outside seeking to speak to you. But Jesus answered the one who was telling him and said, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand. Toward his disciples, he said, behold, my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father who is in heaven, he is my mother and sister and brothers. And then watch the intentional shift. Matthew 13 and 1. That day, Jesus went out of the house. And was sitting by the sea. But then watch the intentional shift. And large crowds gathered around him. So he got into a boat and sat down and the whole crowd was standing on the beach. And he spoke many things to them in parables saying, behold, the sore went out to sow. And he sowed some seeds, fell aside, and when he sowed, some seeds fell up beside the road, and the birds came and ate them up. Others fell on the rocky places where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up because they had no depth of soil. But when the sun had risen, now remember, he's in a boat, and they're on the seashore, they're on the beach, so he's having to speak and project so they can hear him. And it continues, but when the sun had risen, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. 
Others fell among the thorns and the thorns came up and choked them out and others fell on the good soil and yielded a crop. Some a hundredfold, some 60 and some 30. He who has ears, let him hear. I know that I could take the moment and you would understand the exact interpretation of the parable. Those that plant in good soil will reap a great reward. But I'm not going to take that approach because I really want you to see Jesus today. I want to suggest to every believer that is in the midst of all that God has called you to do. And all that the world throws, you at, throws at you at the same time. That God has called you to do something and it is urgent for you to spend time sitting by the seashore. Let me help Put the pieces together for you. I want to share something personal with you. It was May of 2012 and I found myself overwhelmed. And conflicted with commitment. I was committed to my family. Committed to being a pastor at the church that my father planted 40 years before. I had got gone to him and said, Dad, we've been here on this corner for 40 years. And... Where is the impact in the community? He said, come alongside of me, son. Let's do it. I was also committed because I don't want to be a person that has so much yearning but don't have any learning. If I'm going to preach, I want to make sure that I'm seminary trained. So I'm a committed husband, committed father, committed pastor, committed student. But at the same time, I started a business. And the business was just starting to take off. And at the same time, the situation so turned out that I had to go back to the job that I left when I went into ministry full time. I'm a committed father, a committed husband, a committed pastor, committed student. Committed business person. And I'm committed to a 40 hour a week full time job that calls me to travel the entire United States of America. So there I was in May of 2012 feeling as if at any moment I was going to explode. I found myself early one morning on an airplane headed to Chicago for my job. About to enter into the airplane, onto the airplane, but I'm so burdened. So much pressure coming from everywhere. Everything that I was doing, I asked for. 
And in my mind is what God had called me to do in the moment. You see, the reason that I left my job was to go into ministry full time. The reason that I started the business was to help supplement the income that would allow me to still be in ministry full time, focus on the church and also focus on my family. And I had to go to school because I don't want to just get up and not be able to talk truly about what the Bible means because it can never mean what it never meant. And then... On top of that, I had to go back to work full time because the money began to run out. So I'm getting on this airplane and I promise you, I'm about to explode. I wanted to scream because it was so much. And if I have time, I'm going to come back to this story in a minute. But can I suggest to you that the context of the story of our text Made it urgent for Jesus to go and sit by the sea. Let me see. Let me see if I can show that Jesus went to sit by the sea because of what he had just come out of. And then what he was just about to go into. Let's look at some things because in chapter 12. And if you look at the entirety of chapter 12, you will see that Jesus is challenged. He's falsely charged. He's asked to perform a trick, and then he has to make a choice. In the entirety of chapter 12, Jesus is challenged, charged, asked to perform a trick, and then he has to make a choice. The challenge. The religious people of the day called the Pharisees. Asked Jesus why his followers would work on the Sabbath day. Jesus, don't you know? The law says that they should not work. And I understand that it's okay to eat and to pick grain. You got to see it. You got to read it for yourself. It's okay to eat and pick grain, but they shouldn't work. And after Jesus explained to them that he was greater than the Sabbath. They then charged him. The charge. They charged him with having a demon because he evicted a demon from a demon possessed man. It's in chapter 12. And I'm just trying to show you why sometimes it's necessary to go and sit by the sea. After he explained to them that demons don't kick out demons, only God does that. They then asked him to perform a trick so he could prove who he was. They asked for him to give them a sign. He explained to them that Their minds were wicked and warped. Why? Because they couldn't understand that he was all the sign that they needed. He had already performed seven miracles up to that point, showing them everything that they were asking, but they didn't want to believe it. Now, can you imagine going through all of this? You've been challenged, (laughs) you've been charged. And then they're asking you to prove who you are when you've shown them all along what you're all about. Can you imagine going through all of this and to top it off, you know that even though all you're trying to do is help people and those that you try to help are the same ones that, listen, try to kill you. That's what he was facing. Because it says in chapter 12 that he knew that they were trying 
to conspire to kill him. I'm just trying to help you see why Jesus needed to go and sit by the sea. But hold on, because it didn't stop there. It's one thing to have to deal with people that you want to help, but have something against you and you don't really know these people. And they don't really know you. But it's a whole different situation altogether when your family just doesn't get what you're called to do for God. They just don't understand why you would give all your time, all your hope, all your money, all the resources that you have so that you can touch more people for him. They don't get it. Your friends don't get it. Many of them are falling away because of a decision that you've made to stand for him. By those that made him their enemy, you can understand. They challenged him, they charged him, and then they asked him to perform a trick. And then we come to verses 46 through 50, where Jesus is then confronted with a choice. Remember, we just read the text a moment ago. Jesus was in the middle, was in the middle of teaching and debating because it was his heavenly father that sent him to earth for a reason. Then his earthly mother and brothers asked him to stop what he was doing and come and talk to me. Therefore, Jesus looks around and then extends his arm towards his disciples and he says, behold, these are my brothers, sisters and mother. For they are the one that. The ones that are here doing the will of God. Watch. Think about this. These are all the things that led up to 13 and 1. And Jesus left the house and went and sat by the sea. Oh, did I tell you all those things happened in one day? One day. And you can see why 13 slows down. And can I just ask a question? Does any of this apply to you? Where you have given all that you could give, where you have gone out of your way, and where you have made a commitment to serve God. And everything that you do, every time you turn around, there seems to be something else. Wouldn't you want to find a seat? By a place that would offer more peace? Have you ever had a day that was just so stressful and no matter what you did and where you went, the day just wouldn't let up? Because, see, although that's what he was coming out of, and then there he is sitting by the sea. The next thing we see are crowds coming. 
I've been charged. I've been challenged. I'm asked to perform tricks. And then I have to choose between my calling and my family. I need a break. Then as I go and I sit, I leave the place where I was and I'm trying to catch my breath. All of a sudden it doesn't stop. But people are approaching me from every side. When you are on a mission, you go when and where you have to. Because you're there to make a difference and the call does not stop. Jesus began to teach the crowd in parables. Why was it necessary to teach in parables? Because he wanted to explain heavenly truths on an earthly level so that they would get it. And after Jesus taught by the seashore, he got up and then he went to his hometown. Now I'm in chapter 13 just to make the story complete because I have to get you to see the context. After Jesus taught by the seashore, he he went and got up and he went to his hometown and he taught there also. And do you know how much it can take out of you when you love someone so much? Listen, and you do everything and say everything that you can just to get them to understand. It's just like we love our children and they have to experience it before they really get it. But we do everything we can. And it is amazing how those that know you best are often the ones when you go home that give you the hardest time. Verses 2 all the way through 52 in chapter 13. He's teaching strangers and they are eating it up. His disciples pull him away and they ask him to give him a little more because it's just so rich. But then when he gets home and tries to pour his heart out to them, no one wanted to listen to him. And then they had the nerve to get offended. Thank God I just had a vacation and I'm calm. Thank God I just had a good workout and I relieved some stress. Thank God I just came back from church and I feel a little holy. Thank God I just came back from sitting by the sea because if I didn't have a chance to catch my breath, I would have caught, I wouldn't have caught my temper. Thank God that I just came back from sitting by the sea and I had a chance to catch my breath because had I not, I wouldn't have caught my tongue. Sometimes we need to go and sit by the sea. Now watch this. Because I want to say in the text. But the text is not explicit in what Jesus did when he was by the sea. So let's see if we can discover what he did, what he may have been doing by discovering what he normally did when he went off alone. Mark 1 and 35 says very early in the morning while it was dark, Jesus got up, left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Matthew 14 and 23 says, after he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. Luke 6 and 12 says, one of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray, and he spent the night praying to God. Luke 5 and 16, if nothing else got, got, if nothing else made sense, listen to this. Luke 5 and 16 says, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. 
Can I submit to you that when Jesus pulled off, he never pulled off without the Father. He was always praying. Now, can I show you how? Because Hebrews 5 and 7 says, during the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. I'm not saying that every time Jesus went off that he cried. I'm not saying that every time he welled up with tears. But we know of many instances in which he did. When you are clear about your calling, you will run to the Father. And sometimes you will get to the point where you don't have a choice but to let it all out. There are some prayers in the midst of maddening moments that we have to just stay right where we are and just cry out. Jesus understood how critical it was to commune with God, to keep God's commission. If Jesus found it necessary to do this, how much more should we do the same? And I want to encourage everyone here today to find your seashore. See, that's where I'm going with this. I want everyone in here today, I want to encourage you because there will be days, there will be times, there will be moments where you're coming out of something that is so heavy that you can't carry yourself and you need to find a place where you can pray. Your seashore may be your backyard. It may be a quiet coffee shop where no one else knows you. It may be a local lake. It may be a rural area where you can go and there's nobody else around. I'm not sure sure where it is for you. But let me encourage everybody in here to make a date. To make a date. And when you make a date to go and find your seashore, to sit by the sea, take a pen with you. Take a pad with you. I want you to leave your phone at home or leave it at least in the car. Take a real Bible with you. One where you know the old ones where you can actually flip the pages. I want you to take the first hour or two. Watch. And just let it all out. Listen to me. We get so caught up with all the pressures of the world and we have to look so strong, be so strong, act as if we have it all together. But truly, on the inside, if Jesus had to run and pull off because of all that he was going through, are we better than him? And sometimes don't we just need to let it out? I've heard so many people say in the past five or six weeks, anxiety, depression, and all these things they're dealing with, but they're holding it in. And then we wonder why we want to burst. Take your pen with you. Take your pad with you. Take your Bible with you. And I want to challenge you for the first two hours. You begin just writing down everything. Write down everything that is on your mind. Write down every concern. Write down every struggle. Write down every desire. Write down every challenge. Write down every burden. And don't worry, you're by your seashore. It doesn't matter because nobody's going to see it. Write it down. I want you to see it. I want it to leave here and to leave here. And for you to let it go. Put it on this paper. And then pray about it. 
And when you think you're done, pause for a minute and pray some more. And then pick the pen back up and start writing again. See, I want somebody to find a seashore because there's some things in you that God has been trying to get out of you. And if he could ever get it out of you, then the mission would be clear to you. When you think you're done, pause and pray. Then start writing again because you need to transfer it all from your mind to this paper. Now, you took a pad with you. I want you to make sure that you take somewhere you can actually flip the pages. And when it's all done, where's your seashore? Pick up your Bible now. Push that aside. And if you've gotten it all out, and I don't care, I need to make an A in school, whatever it is that has been bogging you down, let it go. You're worried about your health. You're worried about your relationship. You're worried about all those things. If Jesus was challenged, he was charged falsely. And then at the same time, he was asked to do things that was outside of his character. You need to get it out. When you think you're done, pause and pray. You get your Bible and you're going to read. And I mean, talk to God. Let him talk to you through his word. If you need wisdom, read Proverbs. If you're looking for hope and counsel, read Psalms. If you're reading and you want to see God's providence, read Esther. If your faith needs filling, open up to the book of Hebrews and read Hebrews. And as much time as you spend emptying out, spend filling up. I want you to read, I want you to pray, and I want you to read, and I want you to pray, and I want you to pray. And if tears begin to fall on that paper until it's stained, let it out. Then after you get it all out, after you've read, you pick that pad back up. Turn the page. Now start writing again. See, see this. We go into every day with so much. And we need to learn how to let it go. Because it's not going to stop. Jesus is there by the seashore and then crowds approached him. And he had to continue. I'm on an airplane. It's cloudy. My mind's about to explode because I have so much going on. But I can't quit on my family. I can't walk away from the church because I know I've been called to that. Started another job and we employed other people. I just can't shut the job down, shut the business down because they're depending on it. I have to continue to go to school because I'm not going to ever be one of those that stands up and doesn't know and hasn't taken time to rightfully divide. There I am, 30,000 feet above sea level on my way to Chicago, Illinois. 
I take my pad out. Because my seashore is 30,000 feet. (laughs) And I begin to just write down everything that I'm going through in that moment. And I said, Lord, I don't know what to do about the job. I don't know what to do. And I want to move back to Dallas. And I don't know what to do. And you've called me to do this. And you called me to do that. And I promise you, you would have thought I was a baby crying the way I was crying. (laughs) I know a lot of men don't like to cry, but I don't think you really know Jesus until you do. (laughs) Can I tell you something? By the time I landed, the tears were gone. To make a long story short, one of the things that I wrote in the paper is, Lord, I will go wherever you want me to. And all I can say to you is that I'm here in Dallas, Texas after miracles and wonders. But it's because I found my seashore first. As I close, I'm not just asking you to find the place just as something that you think about. At the Life Church, what we close with is what's called a life application. How do I apply this? I really mean take a pad. Take a pen and take your Bible. I really mean go to your backyard or wherever that place is that you will feel as if you have peace and serenity. And if you want to scream because you've been holding it in, nobody's going to hear you scream away, baby. But then pick that Bible up and read it and pray. And while you're there, will you pray for us? Will you pray that the life church impacts that community? I grew up three blocks away. I went to college in Atlanta, Georgia. Moved back to Dallas. Then I went to California. I was in California for two and a half years. And then I went to Florida. And then left Florida and then I went to Houston. But my heart has always been in this community doing exactly what we're doing now. And my goal, my commission, my calling is to go and impact that community. Will you pray for us while you're by your seashore?